And good morning. You are listening to Warping Wolf Radio right here on the Cool Groove site at RadioNext.tv in the beautiful Collaborate 317 studio. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell. Every Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., trying to make some sense out of all this craziness out here. What's <laughs> up, my brother? Oh, man, I'll tell you, when you say, when you call Collaborate 317 beautiful, it is absolutely that. Uh, anybody who wants to come out and join us for our open house tomorrow night, Thursday night from 6 to 8 Please do come and join us. Uh, sign up for the events that we will be having there. And this is going to be a great evening where we get to introduce people, not just to the space, but to each other and connect people. That's what we do out here at the Collaborate. This is a very powerful and important idea. And uh, glad to be a part of this, HB. Absolutely. And today, man, we're going to be talking about manners. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it's a, it's a lost art today. You know, and we have a lot of controversy, especially mm-hmm. going through the uh, wire services on manners and, and the uh, uh, misappropriation of uh, just human kindness, I mm-hmm. think. So uh, we're going to be talking about that today. Laura Henderson's with Families First is in the house today. So when we come right back after this song. We're going to introduce you to Laura, and we're going to get right into this conversation. You're listening to Warping Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site at RadioNext.tv. RadioNext.tv. We are live from the beautiful Collaborate 317 studios here for the Cool Groove site. And Warping Wolf Radio is the show. Mark Echo, Dr. Mark Echo is your host, and uh, Laura Henderson is the guest. Dr. Mark, introduce Laura and let them know what's going on up in here. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, one of the great things about this wonderful position that I have as president of the Cominius Institute is how many wonderful people I get to meet around Indianapolis. And that, I think, is really an important idea that everybody needs to hear uh, on a regular basis. That is, that we get to hear people that are doing good in Indianapolis, and that's a really huge issue for us. So we're really interested in fulfilling Titus 3. Titus 3 emphasizes, of course, that uh, we are finding folks that are doing good, that are uh, Christians in and around the public sphere, wherever it is that they operate. And Laura Henderson is one of those folks who works for Family First, a nonprofit here in Indianapolis. And we have been talking for some time about uh, the issue of gratitude during the month of November with all of our guests that are coming in this particular month, obviously leading up next week to Thanksgiving. So Laura uh, has given out these wonderful wristbands that uh, want to make courtesy common. And I'm wearing my yellow wristband uh, that she gave me some time ago. And uh, we've actually asked Laura to come in today to talk about the issue of manners. Laura, thanks for joining us. And uh, give, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your family and what you do here in Indy. Thank you, um, Dr. Echo, for this opportunity. Well, I'm a native of Indianapolis, actually, by the way, of Marion, Indiana. Um, and i uh, been here in social service um, for many years. Um, I started my work um, at a homeless shelter and then went on to work on the streets of Indianapolis and create an outreach team for Horizon House. So I love um, working with individuals and helping them find that there is good in the world. Um, And certainly that comes by just being courteous to one another. And so our president at Families First um, in lieu of all the sadness that's been happening, not just here in our our city, but all over, um, said one morning, you know what, how come we just can't make courtesy common again? Mm. You know, that's what it's lacking. If we can just be courteous to one another. So he created these wristlets that I've been handing out, and um, I find that a lot of people, you have to really think about what the word courteous means. I've mm. asked when I've given to them, and it doesn't. it should flow off like your name but it doesn't and they have to think about it especially Mm. our youth Mm. 
And um, that's where a lot of our problems are, are lying right now is within our youth. Um, and I think being courteous and having gratitude is one, having the lack of it is one of the mm. big problems there. What do you see, you mentioned youth, what do you see as the issue there for them? Why is it that that you pinpoint the youth as problematic in this regard? Well, I talk with them a lot, and I was just recently at an event where there were probably over 300 male youth there, and they had these wristlets from various agencies on the table, and I noticed they were collecting them, just putting them on their arm for color or whatever. But I said, when they got to my table, I said, nope, can't just take it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's read it. And so I said, uh, what, is, uh, what does it say? Um, and then, uh, you know, we get to the word courteous, and I said, what does that mean? And they really had to think about it. Mm. And I said, uh, well, so did you ask for the candy on the table next to you? Did you say, thank you, may I have a piece, please? Um, and they said, oh, yeah, 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 those are the words, yeah. But it, it wasn't anything that was just common nature for them, you know. And so I said, so now that we know what the word courteous means and you have my ban and someone is not being courteous to you, you can just show them the hashtag and say, let's make courteous common. So I think, you know, would they get upset because someone steps on their tennis shoe? Maybe because that person didn't take the moment to say, excuse me, I'm sorry, I, you know, I didn't mean to do that. Or jump in front of someone else at line, uh, excuse me. So just those little small words mm. can make a big difference. When you're, when you're talking about these kinds of issues, it makes me always uh, want to ask, mostly because I'm the professorial type, you know, I'm always looking for cause. And so <clears throat> when I'm asking about cause, I'm asking about why does this happen? Uh, so I'm just throw out a couple of ideas and you take a direction that you think it should go. Uh, in terms of cause, do you think this is, uh, they're not being taught at home, they're not being taught in the culture, they're not being taught at school? Is this a combination of all the above? What do you think about that? Combination of all the above, because I, I received it at home first, mm -hmm. um, and then it was carried on at school. I can remember in the home ec class, which they, I don't think they have those anymore, um, but we were taught manners, not only the proper table etiquette, but please, thank you, will you pass me that? You know, you don't separate the salt and the, and the, and the pepper. Mm -hmm. They're a couple. They go together. You know? <laughs> so, you know, manners and just being courteous to one another. And um, and then it went on to a Sunday school and um, uh, what is it? BTU, Baptist training and all okay. of those things, you know, but we don't have many of those um, activities anymore. Mm -hmm. And certainly it's not shared at the home because that's where your training comes from first. Mm -hmm. And what happens if uh, folks don't have homes? I mean, you know, we come from, we live in a culture uh, that we have so many uh, separate families now. We have divorce happening on a regular basis so that people are disjuncted from each other. Um, and so, you know, if one parent carries it through but the other does not, you know, those kinds of things matter. Uh, the difficulty there I, would seem to be prevalent. It, it, I could see it maybe be a little bit of strain, but um, I think it's just like if you teach uh, someone, say, the national anthem, or you teach them um, uh, Jesus Loves Me, mm. and it sticks. I mean, I still know Jesus Loves Me song. Mm. So, you know, your family can split. Uh, maybe your dad goes this way, your mom goes that way, or vice versa. Mm. Um that is something that was inbred in us. That was something that I learned for myself through my parents. 
um, that I still carry today. Uh, so someone can just start singing that song, and I'm going to jump right in mm-hmm. with it. Or maybe they start talking about um, manners as we're doing now, mm-hmm. and it brings back forth all the things that my grandmother or my mom taught me um, as far as with manners. So I think if it it's becomes a part of your life um, from birth, that you carried on no matter what the separation is. It sure sounds like we're talking about a habit here. Exactly. Forming a habit. Forming a habit. Mm-hmm. So uh, how do you think that that is best done? How do, you, how do you continue to, let's say, push this in front of somebody or encourage them toward this? How long does that take? Uh, what's the, what is the direction that, uh, that you take in trying to teach people this? Um, we have to practice it. Um, mm. we, we Not only here on our level, but, you know, our higher chiefs of authorities um, in in Washington, D.C. have to practice it. Mm. It has to be something that the youth see in us, other people see in us. Um, Just, you know, as in our household, uh, we have to say good morning in my house. Mm. Um, You know, just get up and start your day and, you know, frown on your face and doing whatever, whatever. (laughs) Good morning, how are you? My kids just uh, bother them so. Oh, my God, why do I have to say good morning? Good morning. And, you know, I think it just gives you a start to a good day um, because it is a good morning. Mm-hmm. And just the gratitude, which is another word That's that it. goes right yeah. along with that, of having this opportunity. And, that you know, I thought on the way out here about the word gratitude, um, and we say that we are grateful. I heard a lady on the radio said today was her birthday, and she was just very grateful for her however many years on earth. Mm-hmm. So when we say that, who are we saying that to? There it is. Are we just saying it in mm-hmm. general to the mm-hmm. universe? Who are we saying that we are grateful to? Yes. Well, let's let's just pause here, shall we, for for a theological important uh, segue. <laughs> uh, the emphasis on gratitude really does uh, teach us a very important theological concept, and that is that you give credit or credence or uh, gratitude to somebody outside of yourself. So I, t- I tell my students that there are two basic pillars in life. One is gratitude, that is you acknowledge someone else outside of you to whom you must give an account. But the other is discipline, and that comes from within you. So one is without, one is within. And discipline then is the thing that uh, should drive us from within. So maybe the connection is between gratitude and discipline. How do we make that connection to, yes, there's someone outside of myself, whether it's mom at home mm-hmm. or the Lord above, exactly. and then how do we make that into a discipline uh, on a regular basis with the folks that we're with? Again, it's just, as you said, habit practice. Um, it's something we have to do over and over, um, and our parents or whoever um, our guide is in our home um, mm. has to be the lead of that. Um, even with from myself, um, I carried it on to my, my children, even though I said I was never going to do the things that my mom <laughs> and my mm. grandmother or my dad did. Um, if we asked for something and we received it we said thank you mm-hmm. if we did my mom said give it back yeah and wow. and I'm like why mm-hmm. it makes you think why because mm-hmm. as you said someone gave me something so where is my gratitude I need to say thank you mm-hmm. um, and I thought well why do I need to say thank you that's my mother because I appreciate my gratitude I'm showing her because she doesn't have to because my mom used to make it clear I have certain things that I have to do for you mm-hmm. but there are certain things that I don't have to do mm-hmm. and I don't have to do the extra but as long as I provide you the basics so anything over and above that and even as far as the basics I feel now that you know we should say thank you mm-hmm. thank you mom because you don't have to do that thank you dad or whomever our caretakers are yeah. and it's just some, it just becomes a part of you mm-hmm. um, spiritually 
thanking God every day, mm-hmm. every moment. I do it all day long. Mm-hmm. I mean, on my ride out here, just any moment that I have that time or I think about, mm-hmm. I just took that breath out. Mm-hmm. What a gratitude that I'm not, I don't have an oxygen tank and mm-hmm. I don't have all of these other things. But even if I did, I'm still here and I'm so grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my gratitude goes to my higher being and I thank him just constantly throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Just that sounds like a spirit of prayer you it, got going on there. Yeah. It is. It is. And since my mom is listening, yeah. hey mom, I'm Hi, mom. grateful for you. <laughs> I often think about that, you know, about moms um, who give birth to their children, and uh, the issue of how important it is uh, to have moms invested and involved in life. I mean, you know, I'm sitting next to a mom, and we're talking. Hey, mom, we're talking to you as well. Uh, but there's a lot of moms out there in our audience and some who will be listening to this in the podcast afterwards. Uh, I think this is going to be a really valuable and important concept for them. And maybe when we come back after break, we can talk about the, the connection that moms have to teaching and training uh, their young people. I think that's going to be an Absolutely. important idea. So you're listening to Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. This morning we are talking with Laura Henderson from Families First. We're discussing in our month of gratitude the issue of manners and the necessity of those. And you are going to take a quick musical break, and we'll be right back. RadioNext.tv, we are live from the big studio. I'm telling you, man, the power of technology. We started in the Studio B, as I like to call it, and now we have transformed and moved out. Dr. Mark Eckel and Laura Henderson are in the house, and we're talking about common courtesy and manners and mm-hmm. how can we get better at the simplicity of just being kind to one another. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Mark, carry on. Yeah, man, this has been a great show so far, and... Laura, we're grateful again for your presence with us here. And and the work that you do in Indianapolis, I think, is so important for people to understand. If you're ever at all interested in finding out what uh, Laura and so many other great folks do in Indy, uh, check out Families First in Indianapolis, a very, very fine nonprofit. But we wanted to come back to the issue of generosity and the issue of gratitude and thankfulness and all of those things we're emphasizing this month and we stopped uh, just before break uh, just discussing about mothers. And it struck us as we were talking off air that, you know, there's lots of different directions that folks can go with this discussion about moms. You know, some moms like, you know, our mom, HB, HB's mom and mine. Uh, <laughs> my mom has adopted HB and HB's adopted her. Uh, so, you know, some of our moms are still alive. Some of our moms are deceased. Uh, and then some of us come from different kinds of families, and so some uh, moms are adopted moms and those kinds of things. Uh, and, Laura, you were telling me a little bit about your own personal life. Uh, fill us in on that and, and maybe connect to some of the folks out there that uh, that might feel what you feel in that way. Sure, I, and I kind of love to share this because I meet so many youth um, these days that are adopted or in foster homes, and I have uh, experienced both through my life. Um, beginning at six years of age. And, um, you know, I, when I think back my memory, that's as, about as far as my memory will go back is fifth or sixth grade. So I do remember um, my uh, parents, uh, my uh, birth mom, my natural mom, and my sibling and uh, my family. And so when I was adopted, um, I didn't see the purpose in me being there. I, I felt that it was their own personal agenda. I had no gratitude. I was not grateful. Um, I was not very appreciative of what I had. Um, and it was not until um, I had was 18 and had uh, reunited with my uh, birth family that I saw um, what 
possibly could have been my life versus what I had. Um, but unfortunately, my adoptive parents um, had passed away. And um, that is when I really realized um, how grateful I was for what I had, mm. um, for the life they had given me, um, for who they had directed me to be. Um, I, you know, just one, if I had a wish, a genie in a bottle for one thing, if I could just have 30 seconds now to tell them how grateful I am for what they have given mm -hmm. me, what they gave me and who they molded me to be mm. versus my options mm. of what they could have been in life. Um, and these people that adopt children or take foster children in, um, they have to have a true love for, for what they do and for another individual. Um, but I didn't see that, and I didn't know that then. And so I'm just speaking to anyone that's in a foster home or that is adopted, and you might be feeling lost. But you know what? Grasp the moment, what you mm. have, because you never know what you came from. Mm. Wow. This issue of um, being in some way disjointed or uh, separated from uh, our birth parents well, wow, we have to have a whole show on this, don't we? We do, we do. And I, you know, I built a relationship um, with my birth mom, um, but it never was the love and closeness that I mm -hmm. had uh, uh, built with my adopted mother. Mm -hmm. And um, I did tell my birth mom because she struggled with the fact that she had given me away for whatever reasons and whatever reasons. But, you know, I ended up telling her that I was grateful that she mm -hmm. did that. And she looked at me like, why would you say something like that? Um, because what I learned of her struggles in life, I didn't have to experience that. So it takes a lot to say, I can't do this. Mm. I, I have to give up my child for whatever reason. Um, so I was grateful to her for doing that. And mm. that helped relieve mm. her of whatever she was feeling as a mother or as an individual of giving up their child. This is uh, an important uh, connection to church history. One of the things that we know for instance, when the church just began after the day of Pentecost, Peter's first preachment and so on, is that Christians were doing good in the Roman Empire. And one of the ways that Christians did good was they would literally take these little babies that Roman citizens were throwing out, and they would take them and raise them as their own mm -hmm. uh, because they believed that everybody's made in God's image and therefore has worth, value, and dignity and all of the rest that we, you and I know. And accept as believers. And this is an important, powerful idea, I think, that, that begins from the inception of the church. But not only that, but it goes back to the Hebrews, uh, the book of Leviticus, uh, taking care of those who are orphans and widows. I mean, this exactly. is just part of what we should be doing. Exactly. And it made me think of a sermon I heard not too long ago, which made me feel kind of proud that I was in that group, that Moses was actually <laughs> a mm. foster child mm. because his mm -hmm. mom gave him away. There you go. And I thought, well, look, I'm in an awesome class here, you, you know? So um, the connection to that just gave me a whole new breath on it. Oh, my word. Yeah. You know, seriously, I, I've got a... I, I'm going to have to get a piece of paper and a pencil and write all this stuff down because <laughs> this is really powerful. When we think about, and we're kind of moving away from manners, but quite frankly, we're kind of moving back into it in a way, we're really grateful not only to the Lord who has given us life, but now we're grateful to him that he has placed us in a place with other people who are going to actually care about us. Exactly. Wow, how about that? How about that? Yeah, amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And then when we stop to consider our obligations and responsibilities uh, to those individuals, we are indeed uh, giving them thanks and appreciation for all of that. 
So uh, let's get back to the uh, some of these other questions, though. And since we're talking about the church, let's go to the church. How does the church do its job in terms of teaching about gratitude? Well, again, I, it's the Sunday school lessons. It's the Bible study lessons mm. that show it in there. I think Hebrews 12 and 28 specifically talks about mm. gratitude mm. Um, and uh, teaching it on that level as well as their daily walks. Mm. Um, how do you take this from the Bible? How do you take this from the class and put it in your daily walk mm-hmm. every day um, in your household? Well, even before you walk out of the church, how do you exhibit that? How do you show that? And it has to begin with the peers um, and the leaders of the church. Yes. I- I'm thinking about, let, let's go back for a moment to what we started our conversation about with the young people. Mm-hmm. And you just mentioned Hebrews, which made me think, there's this great. There are a couple of great verses here in the book of Hebrews that deal with uh, the issue of being thankful for uh, the opportunity to actually give thanks for our leadership. And so, in Hebrews chapter 13, it really does actually develop that particular theme, where we find that we are supposed to give thanks to those who are over us. Exactly. Just imagine that. So, do you find that young people are actually appreciative of those who are over them? No, I, I, what I see, I'm not going to say all young people because they, we do have some great, awesome young people, um, but quite a few, they, it's a entitlement. Mm-hmm. Um, That's it. Um, you birthed me. I didn't ask to come here. <laughs> 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 you know, and I've had my children tell me that themselves, mm. and we had to have a conversation about that. I um, bet you did. Yeah. So <laughs> we won't talk about it on We won't air. talk about that now. <laughs> no. Um, but so, yeah, they have, they just have this sense of entitlement. And I think through the years, it's just gotten worse. Mm. Uh, my children are products of the seventies and I saw it back there and mm. it's just, mm. um, like a balloon. The helium is just filling it bigger and bigger. And mm. so now, um, with the lack of discipline that we're, um, and when I say the lack of it, um, the way my mom and dad disciplined us mm-hmm. is gone out the door. They would still be serving a life sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to uh, discipline with a, a long, long handle spoon now. Just don't touch them. <laughs> and um, we uh, we do that. And, and But we lost a lot. Mm. We lost a lot um, in providing guidance to our children. Yes. And just, again, having that in your household, yeah. being being. Be, just being respectful mm. and having a gratitude of thank you mm-hmm. in your household. Thank, thank you for the food. Right. Thank you for the lights. You know, we yeah. just, we, as youth, we just take all that for granted. Isn't that the <laughs> truth? Boy, I tell my students all the time, I still teach a high school class and I tell them, you know, this is the last time in your life when somebody's going to pay all your bills, put food in your belly, a roof over your head and clothes on your back. Absolutely. And straight up, man, that is just huge for young people to get this. Let me read this passage here from Hebrews chapter 13 for everybody. Hebrews 13:17 says, "Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you." So for everybody out there listening, you're thinking to yourself, well, that just talks about leaders. The leaders are the elders. So they're the ones that are the older ones. And they are indeed, in other passages like First Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul refers to himself as a father and a mother. So those metaphors run right straight through the church. Exactly. We bear responsibility, I mean, moms and dads, to other folks. 
So let's talk about that for a moment because because it seems like we're kind of moving in that direction with the moms and dads emphasis. Mm-hmm. Uh, how is it that we should be adopting? I, I mean, and, and I mean that in a general uh, mentorship, discipleship sense. How should we be adopting young people, and then how does that then uh, work into this gratitude and thankfulness emphasis? Well, I know in my church uh, we have our elder mothers, mm. and um, they talk to us. Um, they kind of discipline us when we're out of order. Um, they give you that particular look when you're not doing what you're supposed to to do. Mm. Um, and I don't know that they still um, have those in all of the churches now, but it's still like your neighborhood mom. Yeah. Um, I didn't want my neighborhood mom to know anything that I had was out of order uh, before mm. I got home because I, I certainly didn't want to get it twice mm. there and from my mom. So yep. um, I think, again, that talks about being a community um, and each one help one. And we've moved away from that. I'll give you a real quick example. Uh, there was a young lady that was not dressed uh, appropriate. Um, my daughter was with me. My daughter knew her. And I said, well, and so she was making a comment about it. And I said, well, why don't you go over hmm. and talk with her about it? She said, oh, no, I won't. And I said, why not? You know her. Maybe she doesn't know. Um she would not do it. She mm. would not go over and talk to you. No, I'm not getting in someone else's business. So mm. we've moved to that. It's yes. someone else's business where the mothers, which my daughter would be more or less of a mother figure to this young lady, mm. um, could have provided her some direction. I said, maybe no one's ever told her that. Um, Is this a part of common courtesy? Common courtesy. I yes. mean, to, to actually, you know, <laughs> put it in the lingo that uh, some of us grew up in, um, you know, to get up in their grill, yeah, you know? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but we can't take it for granted that everyone knows what they need to know, and we can't take it for granted that what takes place in our household takes place in theirs. And I that was a aha moment for me for, after working on the street with homeless mm. uh, individuals for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And so I just assumed that, manners I had, behaviors I had, everyone's mom taught them that or whoever their guide was at their home, but not Mm. so because everyone didn't have a mom that was providing those Mm. uh, tools, instructions of life. And so I felt that it was my opportunity and my responsibility as a Christian um, to give that, give them that information. Now, maybe I was just feed feeding the seed or planting the seed, and hopefully it continues to get water and germinate somewhere along life's line. But um, for that moment, uh, I didn't feel that I could walk away and not say something no. or tell them. Even saying, you didn't say thank you? Mm-hmm. Can you tell them thank mm-hmm. you? They did something nice for you, you know. Hmm. So um, I just felt like it was our responsibility. Sure. Oh, well, you know, it seems like we're making these really easy segues for each other. Uh, let's come back. When we come back, let's talk a little bit more about the responsibility that each of us should have to encourage this process, because it's easy enough to say, yeah, we should be saying thank you. But now how do we get in somebody else's business and actually promote that or at least call folks up on it? I'll call into question those things. Uh, we'll come back to that after we take a short musical break. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio. We'll be right. We are back. Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Uh, we are here today uh, with Laura Henderson. We are discussing this issue of manners and gratitude during the month of November and thankful ever so much for folks like Laura who are doing such great work at Families First uh, downtown Indianapolis. 
Uh, but we, as we segued after our uh, last section and as we kind of dial in here in our last few moments, uh, we began to talk about the issue of responsibility and actually some of the responsibility that those of us who might be older, who might be in a different stage of life, whatever the case might be, we bear responsibility actually to give some kind of direction to others. And so let's talk about that a little bit, Laura, the, the necessity of that and how do we perhaps reclaim uh, the moral basis for doing something like that, getting up in somebody's business, uh, you know, speaking into the life of somebody else. How do we do that? Uh, who does it? When do we do it? All those questions. And again, that's all about relationship building with individuals as well. I mean, you just, you know, I think about it before I approach someone. Um, if I know them, I try to think about the best way to approach them where it would not be offensive to them. Um, and sometimes you just can't avoid that because people are going to, their perception is their reality and they may think that, mm-hmm. you know, she's all up in my business. Mm-hmm. But when, I, when I'm able to walk away from it, I'm, I'm say, I planted the seed. Hopefully it will germinate over time, and what I said to them will come back in remembrance. Mm-hmm. And I tell a lot of the youth that I work with that, you don't get it today. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I didn't get it when my grandmother said the grass looked greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. Well, it does until one day I was walking in the park, and I looked <laughs> ahead of me, and the grass was beautiful. But then when I got up there, it had the same hose as the grass behind me. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, that's what she means. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm thankful for that analogy now that I understand that, that mm-hmm. it is not. It has the same hose. So mm-hmm. that's my hope when I talk to young people is that, you will get it. You might yep. not get it today. Yep. And then, so just find me at Crown Hill somewhere and say, hey, lady, I got it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but we have to practice it. And they say, you know, a habit is anything we can do uh, repeatedly. Mm-hmm. So if we as adults or anyone um, that has connection to the young people, because um, I, I, I'm not just saying young people, but, you know, we all need to be <laughs> redirected in some way. Yeah. Um, but I think our biggest change in this world is going to come with our young people. Mm -hmm. So the more we can display that, the more we can be that example for Mm -hmm. them, the more they are going to adapt to that because they are just like sponges. They're absorbing Mm -hmm. everything around us, good, bad, and indifference. And if all they ever see is the bad part and how we are so disrespectful in our neighborhood to the top house, Mm -hmm. um, then it's nothing. Why yeah. Why not me? Why should I be different? But mm. we need to show difference. We need to be different. Now, you met, you used a phrase a moment ago that just kind of passed over, but it's really important for anybody who who's listening here to know what Crown Hill is. <laughs> Go Cem- ahead and tell us. That is the cemetery. That's it. <laughs> That's your final resting place. That's right. Now, you said something very interesting. You said, now, come up and tell me at Crown Hill. What did you mean by that? Well, you know, I figured it was going to take a while, like it did me when my grandmother said the grass is greener on the other side. So when I made that connection to what she was actually talking about, I did go over to Gra- Crown Hill and went to the her grave site, and I said, Granny, I got it now. There you I go. got it. There you go. <laughs> so. Now, I thought it was really interesting that the, that you made that connection because uh, I'm always talking about uh, death, and I don't mean by that morbidity. I mean by that you need to plan. Plan exactly. You it's going to happen. Pl- it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> That's one what? thing we have no control over. <laughs> That's right. Unless you're Elijah, you know. <laughs> I don't think we're getting drawn up into heaven anytime soon, like exactly. he Exactly. So uh, when we think about the issue of you know going to the cemetery and saying, "Hey, you know, I finally get it," um, how important is it for us to actually be planning ahead? 
thinking, you know what, I need to give of myself totally now to these young people so that when I'm gone, they carry on. Exactly. And I think about that. I think about what kind of remembrance do I want to leave Mm -hmm. um, for the people that know me. Mm -hmm. And they may not necessarily remember my name, but they're going to remember what I said or what I did or what I didn't say Mm -hmm. or what I didn't do. Um, And so I try to leave a good impression, a good word. Um, something for them uh, to be able to continue to move in a positive way. Uh, There's so much darkness right now um, in the world. Every time we turn around, there's some darkness. So try to be that ray of light, of hopeness, uh, that they will get the same thing that I got. Because I'm so grateful and so thankful for my adopted family and Mm. the life I have. And, I, you know, I don't have everything as kids think you're supposed to have everything in life. Mm -hmm. I do not. Uh, but I am so rich, mm-hmm. so rich in mm. who I am and just my space on this earth. Yeah. And I just love living and I love God so much. Mm. And I just tell him frequently and throughout the day, um, just having a heart of thankfulness. Mm. We have to. It sounds like you uh, actually take that pray continuously uh, command uh, to heart. Oh, exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, all the time. At any moment, you know, i Prayed on my way out here mm-hmm. on our little breaks. I pray, thank mm-hmm. you, God, that I remember my name. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, everybody who's listening, Laura has an awful lot of things on her mind. So <laughs> for those of us who actually have many, many multiple ideas going on in our brains, uh, such a comment is not an unusual thing. But let me come back to that uh, that issue of uh, kind of planning ahead for the next generation. Uh, I've been teaching for 35 years, and uh, so just uh, this last week, one of my former students became mayor of his city mm-hmm. in Michigan. Oh, wow. And I have to tell you that he was one of the most recalcitrant, belligerent, obnoxious individuals that mm-hmm. I have ever taught in my life. And now, all of these years later, we reconnected and so on down the line, uh, and for some years now. And he always goes back to that. And he says, you know, thank you that you stayed with me and that you kept it up, that you were in my face, that you told me what I really, what you really thought and all those kinds of things. And so it really does pay off in the end in that sense. It does. Exactly. That's what I was saying. You know, we have to stay in their face and we just have to uh, make it continuous. Can't give up on it. Mm -hmm. And you can't say, oh, they're never going to get it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's there and it takes a little bit of time. Remember, we didn't get to where we're at today overnight. It took quite a bit of time. And so um, just, you know, be hopeful for them mm-hmm. and let them see that you have hope in them. And then thank God that you're in their space to yeah. be that person right. um, to d- lead them, guide them and direct them in the right way. So for, again, anybody who's listening, uh, you know, passages like Psalm 78, uh, I'm constantly reminded of Psalm 78, 14 to 18. Until I'm old and gray, I will continue to teach your mighty works to the next generation. And I was reminded of this just a moment ago, Laura, when you were saying that, you know, you're going to be going over to teaching at Eastern Star um, and you do some kind of teaching in various places, I suspect. Yes. Uh, So tell us about the the impact that the teaching has. You know, you're doing it right now. You're doing it for this particular group of individuals. What kind of impact does teaching have in the long run from your vantage point as you've been teaching over all these years? For me personally, um, I never wanted to be in this row. <laughs> I was happy where I was. but um, And God has moved me and introduced me to so many people and given me this opportunity. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm very grateful for it and that he saw 
in me or that he created in me um, because he already knew where I was going to be at today. And um, so I use this uh, anytime I'm talking with uh, youth, um, be it at the church, be it on my job or just in my personal walk. I use this opportunity to teach them. Jesus was a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to uh, hear, I gave you a charge and you Mm. didn't do it. Mm. Um, So I hope before I get to crown you, know, mm. I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, that's the cemetery. <laughs> cemetery. That, um, you know, I did uh, best as I could with the human abilities I had here on earth um, that God has given me. And he charged me to be a teacher mm-hmm. in this row. Mm. And so take that opportunity um, to give back um, by helping our youth. Um, he was Jesus was not in a classroom he walked the streets. Hey, I've walked the streets many a days, 15 mm-hmm. years with the homeless. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't have a problem sitting down, hugging them, mm-hmm. um, giving, loving on them. We all need love, loving on them. So, you know, just being a teacher of love. And that's, you know, that's just an exciting thing. And that's mm-hmm. what I do when I go to these things. I just try to be a teacher of love. Mm-hmm. I have a set curriculum I have to give. But in that, I want to show them that I really love you. I really care about you. It makes a difference to me mm. whether you get to where you need to be or you keep struggling at what is it for me to do. Yeah. So I really love this. That's huge. Uh, if if you were going to tell us uh, what's what's a final word that you would like everybody to know, um, what would you like want to say? I'm, I'd like to give this from Maya Angelou. Um, Let gratitude be the pillow upon which you kneel to say your nightly prayer. And let faith be the bridge you build to overcome evil. Welcome good. Mm. Say say that last line again, please. Let faith be the bridge you build to overcome evil and welcome good. Overcoming evil and welcoming good. You know, I always always smile at those things. I'm reading Maya Angelou uh, right now, but I'm also thinking about Amos. And I mentioned this to you off air. Amos chapter 5 says, hate evil, but love good. Mm-hmm. And our responsibility is, is to do just that. Now, how and when we do it and with who we do it, it's going to be different. We're all going to do it in a different way. And it comes to us exhi- exhibiting just common courtesy. There, oh, look at, that. <laughs> look at you pushing that button. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's, it's real easy. It, it should just flow off like your name. Mm. And, you know, even in the grocery store, thanking the cashier, mm-hmm. um, and maybe sometimes thanking them three times to get yeah. a response back. And, you mm-hmm. know, they look up at you like, oh, um, <laughs> but we do it. You know, we just keep doing it and just keep doing it mm-hmm. um, until we get it. it. It can be a national thing, you yeah. know, let's make courtesy common. We're going to have all these yellow wristbands <laughs> all over the United As States. As a reminder, <laughs> yeah. Great. I think I'm going to mail some to the House of Senate or something. Oh, uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Well, Laura, it's great to have you here again uh, Thank today. You. Thank you ever so much for being here today Thank in your you. time. Yeah. Thank Blessings you. on the rest of your day, the rest of the week, and also the Thanksgiving season. Likewise. Same to you. Appreciate Thank it. You. Well, you're listening to Warp and Woof Radio, and uh, this is our first hour. We've been discussing the issue of manners within the context of gratitude. Thankful again, of course, for Laura Henderson and the good work that she does at Families First. In our next hour, after a musical break, we're going to be hearing from John Smitha, who is himself an Air Force vet. And he is going to be speaking to the issue of being grateful, not only for our veterans, uh, but also speaking to the good work that he does in listening to vets and getting them to talk. This is a huge issue in our culture. We're so grateful for all who have served, kept us free, and now it's our responsibility to give back to them. We're going to be hearing from John Smitha 
In just a few minutes after a musical break, you're listening to Warp and Woof Radio. We'll be right back. And we are back. Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. And this particular Wednesday, we have the great opportunity of having heard Laura Henderson in our first hour from Families First. And we're discussing the issue of gratitude and thankfulness generally during the month of November. And she was uh, talking with us about manners and how we uh, perpetuate that uh, kind of emphasis throughout our young people throughout our homes, throughout our churches, throughout the nation for that matter. Uh, but now we have the great opportunity and privilege, I might add, to have John Smitha here with us. John is a veteran from the Air Force, and he has a very unique ministry, which is one that's been publicized here around Indianapolis, and he has great support from his local church. Uh, John, we're so grateful that you're here today. Thank you so much for taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, I started a uh, group... Uh, of peer support back in 2006 and spent a year uh, with a mentor learning how to uh, listen and talk to veterans. Having been one myself, made it a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. uh, and we started having meetings at uh, Guy's Christian Church. Uh, we have uh, one church in two locations, 90... Uh, 86th and Mud Creek and 126th and Promise Road. And I would have uh, meetings there from 6 to 7. And uh, the vets started coming in. And uh, I had a good friend of mine, Kent Maxfield, who uh, passed in uh, this last year. And uh, he came in and said, I want to help you, but I don't think I have a problem. And hmm. uh, after about the fourth meeting, Kent and I looked at each other and said, we have the same problems they mm. do with PTSD. And uh, him being a Vietnam vet, uh, he decided to stay and help me with my ministry. And uh, we go to schools, uh, set up tabletop displays, talk to people, uh, any place we could get, uh, talk to about veterans, with veterans, to veterans. And uh, slowly but surely, our ministry started growing. Hmm. And uh, all of a sudden, we started uh, noticing reactions out of these guys. It, it's not us. It, it's about the, uh, the peer support. When you have a half a dozen vets sitting around a table talking about their anger and their anxiety, they start healing each other. Hmm. All I do is start the thing out and... Uh, they talk about their their problems. Uh, I talk about my problems. They help me. We help each other. It and sounds very much like when you, you're talking, use this phrase a couple times now, the word, the phrase, each other. Each and other. it strikes me that uh, over 50 times in the New Testament that phrase is used, that we're supposed to help one another or each other. And we encourage, we honor, uh, we love each other, all of those kinds of things. So it sounds like you're actually practicing biblical truths. Yes, that's uh, and that's the one thing I'm very grateful for. Uh, uh, I di I didn't until I got out of the service. Uh, I didn't know anything about religion at all, hmm. uh, and uh, I met my lovely wife of 54 years, and she brought me to God, and uh, that's that's when I decided that uh, I needed to serve Him instead of myself. Instead of taking, start giving. Hmm. And uh, it's it's been a slow 
process because you don't get all these guys in at one time and gals. Mm. They come in one at a time. You have to be patient. My mentor sat in his office for two years before the first veteran showed up. Mm. And I was very fortunate. I had three in my first uh, first meeting, and it's uh, been like that ever since. Well, let me ask this question. I mean, how you you said that this guy sat in his office for two years before somebody showed up. What is it that inhibits vets from uh, seeking help for for even somebody that you know they know that somebody else is a vet? Uh, what inhibits them from just sitting down and talking? Well, there are three words, and please remember these words. Uh, if you have a vet in your family, uh, they were not trained to be vulnerable, patient, or tolerant. Mm. They were trained to respond, react, and show no mercy. Mm. And when they came back, we had we're supposed to. They were supposed to be untrained, mm. but that didn't happen, and they're left with a lot of anger, anxiety, and pain, and. It's that's why the peer support groups are so important because we talk to each other about taking that first step, being vulnerable, admitting you need help. Once you've done that, then the rest becomes easier. And uh, with the help of God, we've uh, been able to help quite a few. Uh, not everybody. Uh, some of them come. Some of them go. Uh, I've got some of them now that I've uh, been with for ten years. And now it's their most important day of their week mm-hmm. is being at that meeting talking about things. Mm. And uh, I'm very grateful. I feel humbled uh, that uh, there's trust uh, that they can talk to me and we can get some of their problems solved. Everybody has problems every day. And uh, we ne- they need to know that they're not alone. We're here for them. And uh, that God forgave them for what they did. Mm. And they need to forgive themselves. Uh, it's a wonderful ministry, and uh, I'm, I feel honored and privileged to just be a small part of it. I'm grateful that you're here to to tell us about these things, and I w- wanted to em- reemphasize this to everybody. The the words uh, that John has just suggested here uh, that veterans were not trained to be vulnerable; uh, they were not trained to be tolerant. And what was the third word? Patient. They were not trained to be patient. Uh, warriors, uh, people that we send out to do our fighting for us, are trained uh, to do one thing, and that's to combat, to respond to combat, and to deal with situations that confront them that are life-threatening situations. And for us then uh, to spend the time and the opportunity that we might have to listen to other people who have done this for us it sure sounds like uh, the shoe's now on the other foot, that we should be the tolerant ones, that we should be the patient ones uh, with and listening to folks instead of wondering why in the world are they reacting that way. Most certainly. Uh, matter of fact, we uh, had a dinner uh, for Veterans Appreciation Dinner at our church last week, and our guest speaker had all the non-vets stand up and applaud each other because oh. he said, you are the only support group that we have. Wow. And it really, uh, it, it struck me quite a bit. And uh, him being a, a, a wonderful human being, he was an airborne ranger. Uh, he got injured, 
ended up uh, ended up co command sergeant major at JAG, and at age 54 he got his law degree, mm. and now he helps veterans. It strikes me as I hear you talking about these things. I've been looking up this movie that I wanted to rem remind everybody of. The title of the movie is an old movie from 1946, The Best Years of Our Lives. How important is it, let's say, for instance, somebody coming out of World War II, uh, somebody coming out of Korea, Vietnam, how important is it for those who are helping them, so all of the non-vets, to, let's say, be in front of movies like this to get a sense of the, nece the necessity of reconnecting folks to the culture? Well, going back to World War II and uh, Korea for that uh, matter, we uh, they came back on ships. They had time, downtime after the war, and there wasn't social media out there, so they didn't know about all the things that they did. They weren't; it wasn't brought up to them. So when they came back, they came home. Dad made them get a car, get a job, get married, and move on, which is what they did. They like to get together and tell their stories to one another. The, the Vietnam vets and the Afghani and Iraqi vets, all these other vets, social media has been very active in telling them what horrible things they're doing. And uh, thus, that's where we talk about moral injury. Mm. And... Uh, these poor guys come back. The average Vietnam vet, when he came back, uh, there are 25 different symptoms that uh, PTSD manifests itself. They had seven symptoms, mm. average seven symptoms. Wow. The Af uh, Af uh, Iraq and Afghani vets average 17 uh, oh my word. symptoms. And uh, that's why we have the 22 suicides a day. Uh, the Vietnam vets, uh, 48,000, over 50,000 of them died over there. But since 75, 155,000 of them have committed suicide. Mm. It's, it's moral injury. Uh, the more I learn about it, it's, it, it just makes the job that much harder. And that's why we've got to concentrate all of our, ch all the churches, everybody needs to concentrate on helping these vets getting together, not competing with one another, but uniting to let these poor guys and gals know they're not alone, that we, they do have some help, and we can, we can sure help them. Mm. This, uh, I have to say to everybody that's listening and those who will get on the podcast later on, I have never heard uh, this phrase before, moral injury. I've never heard that phrase. I've never heard that phrase as it relates to anything, much less warfare. And so... Let me just say a couple of things just to make the point. First of all, um, those of us who have never been in combat, those of us who have never served, uh, we bear responsibility to those who have. Uh, the second thing I'd say is that we have no, no basis uh, from for which to say any kind of statements to somebody who's been there and done that. And so for us to make any kinds of comments that way, uh, we should never do that. But what we should do is reach out. We should care and be concerned. Uh, John Smith's church is one of those. Geist Community is a, is a great church, great, uh, Geist Christian. Uh, we're grateful for them and for their work. Uh, this is something perhaps that other churches can pick up and work with as well. 
When we come back from the break, we are going to be continuing our conversation with John Smith about the issue of veterans and the communication that we need to do with them, thanking them not only for their service, but helping them through the difficulty of coming back after service. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio. We'll listen. We'll be right back. And we are back. Actually, are we're bleeding over from our off-air comments into the the uh, on-air comments, just because there's so much fullness in all of this discussion that we're having here today. And uh, maybe that will happen in our next break. Who knows? But uh, nonetheless, we're back with John Smitha, and John is working with vets here in Indianapolis out of his uh, out of his church, Geist uh, Christian Church. And you mentioned uh, that you had two locations. Actually, one of them I drive by all the time on on Mud Mud Road. Mud, is that Mud right? Creek, yeah. Mud Creek Road. Yeah. yeah. All the time. Yeah. It's a great facility and uh, great work being done there. Why don't you tell them about? Uh, not only the places again, but tell them times that you're all available. Okay. Uh, Monday, we have a meeting at 126th and Promise Road, our location there. And uh, right now, that's the only meeting I'm having at Guy's Christian Church. Uh, the meeting I had on Tuesdays at Mud Creek, everybody wants to go up to Promise Road because they have a, a higher grounds coffee shop there. Okay. And... Uh, with this new ministry I started uh, bringing vets in to talk. Uh, Skylar Glancy, who owns Higher Grounds, is uh, giving them free coffee and whatever mm. they want so they can come in and talk mm. and we can collect some stories. Mm. Uh, and that uh, that Monday group is, is really good because it's a relaxing place uh, and they, vets need to feel safe. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of trust, uh, a lot of confidentiality. They know that what's said there stays there, mm. and uh, we're there for them. We love them. Uh, uh, the pastors will come in once in a while and, and uh, introduce themselves and thank them and say we're here for you. Mm. And there's a lot of confidence there. And, of course, uh, you get them in and get a free cup of coffee and, and just relax and talk. It's amazing what comes out of it. Mm. Uh, I had uh, an Afghani vet that had three tours over in Afghanistan, and he, uh, I was at a men's club meeting, and he texted me, and I never will forget, it was April 28, 2016, and uh, he said, suicide's not an option, mm. and that made my whole ministry. Mm because that's what you want to hear these guys that no I'm not giving up I'm going to I'm going to fight this we're going to fight it together and we're going to we're going to readjust and uh I've got a family to live for This is uh once again I want to say to everybody uh not only is this discussion very difficult uh but it's also very necessary and uh, for those in the church, you know, we're talking with uh, John Smith, a church, you know, we're talking with uh, John Smith, a church, you know, we're talking with uh, John Smith, a church, you know, we're talking with uh, John Smith, a church, you know, we're talking with uh, John Smith, a church, you know, we're talking with uh, John Smith, a church, you know, we're talking with Beaver uh, and Jesus. Uh, I am as well. This is the whole point of this radio show. Uh, our focus is on telling Indianapolis and the world, for that matter, uh, what's going on that's that's uh, folks that are doing good in Indianapolis. This is one of those goodnesses that we on, we honestly do not hear about very often. And it's unfortunate but true. 
I think it's one of the things that, uh, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted you to on the show, not just because we've just uh, celebrated Veterans Day, uh, honoring those who have uh, gone out on our behalf, but also because this is such an important uh, ministry. And I wanted to ask you one question about this as, as we talk about the future of what this is. How do you see your work benefiting the future of veterans? We've, you've told us some of the stories about some of the vets you've dealt with. I'm sure we'll get into some of those, uh, some more of those. But I wanted to ask you about your the, your work benefiting the future of vets. Where do you see this going in the future? Well, if if we don't give up, uh, I have a, a good had a good friend that passed that um, he lived by the initials LLJ and N-E-G-U, love like Jesus and never, ever give up. Mm. And he died of pancreatic cancer, and he fought it for four years, and he never gave up. And he's been an inspiration to both me and the other vets that come in uh, because we can't give up. We have to keep fighting this and showing our love and talking to these vets that God has forgiven them for what they've done and they should work on forgiving themselves Hmm. and with the Lord's help and me just being there listening that's what it's all about these guys can heal each other and become better citizens better husbands better fathers Hmm. and uh, it's uh, I've watched a lot of some success, and it's 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 very gratifying, very wonderful. Mm. When I hear you talk about these things, I'm I'm thinking about um, what is next. So, what are the folks uh, that might be coming after you? Do you think that any of the folks that you're helping right now will take it upon themselves to do what you're doing? Yes, I do. Uh, there are some right now that have uh, that have moved on. Uh, have taken on groups themselves, uh, some out of state. Uh, they believe in what we're doing, and once they learn how to do it, it's uh, it's not the hardest thing in the world to do. All you have to do is listen. Mm. And uh, that thank my wife for that because she talked me into going to Stephen Ministry, and that's what Stephen Ministry teaches you do, how mm. to listen and let people heal themselves. Let don't tell people how they feel. Let them tell you how they feel. I noticed that on your Facebook page that uh, that's actually one of the prominent comments that you have there. Tell everybody about what the Stephen Ministry is, please. Well, uh, we belong to a fairly large church, and our pastors they worked their tails off. I uh, I used to think, well, I'd love to be a pastor. <laughs> preach on Sunday and rest all the rest of the week. Well, they put in 70, 80 hour weeks mm-hmm. and they don't have time to call on everybody. They mm. sure do try, but they don't. So Stephen Ministry, uh, we go through uh, about a year of training and it's kind of a lay ministry. And if we have people that are going through having problems, going through divorce, going through health problems, uh, anything, we're matched up as close as we can. As they can do it. We, uh, the person that does that matches us up. We're almost identical. And uh, hmm. my uh, first 
guy that I was matched up with, I was with for 18 months, and I met with him every week. We prayed, we talked about the problems, I listened, and uh, today he's doing real well, and we're hmm. still very good friends, and that's another thing about it. Once you start with these guys, you've got them for life because you become such good friends. Hmm. But Stephen Ministry teaches you so much about listening and having compassion and not being judgmental. And uh, that's why I couldn't be doing for these vets today what I, without having done that first. Mm. Uh, I, I praise the Stephen ministry. Uh, we have a men's group at our church that started out being a six-week Bible study. There were eight of us. And then seven years later, there's 61 of us. Mm. And uh, a third of them are veterans. Wow. And uh, they've been coming every week to this. Mm. Uh, well, let me ask this question, because you just mentioned this about Bible study. It strikes me to ask this question. Uh, you mentioned that you came to faith late. That is, you know, through yeah. the ministry of your wife. Right. Uh, this is an important idea. How do how important is it then uh, for these guys to be in the scriptures? How how important is it for them to understand the scriptures and be taught the scriptures and have Bible studies? I don't to me the scriptures were so soothing uh i one of my challenges was with the men's club is uh one of the first things i did was i grabbed a bible and read it from cover to cover in a year <laughs> didn't learn anything but i've had to read read, read it several more times mm -hmm. and go to several bible studies once you get started you develop a thirst mm. and that's why we hope if we can get these veterans to start thinking about scripture, about thinking about God and his mercy and get them coming to these Bible studies, then they developed a thirst and mm. they want to know more. Mm. And uh, one of the things we teach them is because they seem to be the victims of PTSD or the, uh, the vet's wives. Mm. And we mm. teach them that the wife is the treasure. You've got to treasure that wife and she's the one that's going to save you if, if you're going to be saved and hold on to her and she's your support and uh, mm. that has helped a lot of people change and I tell these guys to tell their stories to their wives they may not understand it they may not get it but they're not supposed to they weren't there but at least they'll know what you're going through and they'll and just strengthen their support for you. So then the obvious next question for me, hearing about your wife and your emphasis on uh, the other wives that you're uh, interacting with uh, through these guys, uh, would be who's taking care of those wives. I mean, who's listening to the wives who are listening to their husbands? There's got to be somebody yeah. that should be participating uh, on the other side of even that group of folks. Well, we have a group of wives uh, in our church. Uh, it was, we were, did set it up where it was uh, two times a month we would uh, have meetings and uh, while the wives dropped the husbands off the meeting, they would go talk to the wives. Oh, great. And uh, now we're doing it by appointment because uh, uh, God help them. The younger they are, the harder they are to bring in. They mm. don't, uh, young people don't need to support them. I'm tough. I can handle it myself. And uh, that's what I mean about vulnerability. But we do have some wives, and uh, we have so, a couple of our wives that all you have to do, I call them, and they'll, they'll 
be there right now and start talking to this wife or mm. this mother or whoever's concerned about their their loved one mm. and uh that's another thing we have uh, we just now are getting started a uh, ministry uh, it's small but it's valuable uh once a week we're going to have a three hours of free daycare for single mothers oh that's great and for mother and for wives of vets mm-hmm. that uh so they can go and relax and uh get their hair done go shopping uh, whatever they want to do uh give them some free time to reflect and uh it's just the beginning uh i have a I call our ministers the A-team because <laughs> they, uh, they support this ministry so much, and they're always thinking about what can we do, what can we do to make it easier on the families. And uh, our men's club has offered outreach for the families of vets uh, if they need something done. Uh, there isn't anything we won't do. All we have to do, all they have to do, is ask. Hmm. So uh, that sounds like a tremendous ministry, and certainly one that is of necessity. Uh, before we take our next break uh, here in just a couple of minutes, uh, we want to make sure to uh, be honest and and state the obvious, and that is that we're grateful for the service of everybody who has uh, given some of their life and and in some cases their lives. Uh, on our behalf, uh, this is something that we want to make sure to express to everybody, uh, not only uh, folks who are might be listening to us, but the opportunity that we have anytime to thank people for their service. I wanted to ask you before we go on break, what is it, uh, how do vets respond to that, thank you for your service? How do they respond to that phrase? Uh, it's two ways. Uh, some of them... Uh, acknowledge it some of them don't think too much of it they say you want to thank the ones that didn't come back Um, they are a very selfless unselfish group of men and women that uh, they are not the heroes the ones that they left over there are the heroes Mm. and uh, they they accept praise but they're not looking for it they're remarkable. Veterans are a remarkable bunch of human beings. They've experienced a lot of life and death and uh, about every emotion you can think of. And they've walked out of it and come back, and uh, they're worth saving. Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about these things, uh, when we think about how should we respond to vets, uh, when we hear that somebody is a vet or when we're speaking with them, what would be your advice to us? Uh, What kind of things should we say? What kind of things shouldn't we say? I just, when I meet one, and uh, of course my wife will tell you uh, any place, grocery store, Walmart, wherever I go, if I see a vet, I go up and say thank you. No Uh, matter what? I I always say thank you, not for your service, just thank you, and I'm here for you. Okay. Uh, that's I usually give them a card or a pen, or mm-hmm. and my wife does it too. She's uh, mm. she's on the bandwagon too. That's uh, one thing that I the wives are the main support group for a lot of these guys, mm. and the husbands are the main support group for the wives. Uh, it's uh, an amazing uh, bunch of people. That's uh, great. Our our emphasis today is on uh, being grateful for veterans. Uh, just before we take our next musical break, we need to uh, address what I think necessity uh, teaches us that the church needs to speak to, 
and that is that our responsibility is to love and care for those around us. And, and quite frankly, I, su- I suspect that in the state of Indiana, uh, we have an awful lot of churches with an awful lot of vets in them. Uh, Indiana is one of the primary spots um, that, that uh, service men and women come from. Um, do you find that that's generally the case? Indiana yes. is, is really an important state in this regard? Oh, very much so. Uh, I think Kokomo probably is, uh, it's smaller, but I think, the, I forget what the percentage is, but I think it's one of the greatest ones in the state. Uh, South Bend, there are so many wonderful cities up there that support their veterans, and there are so many veterans. Uh, and that's why I like to really issue a challenge to any church or organization that would be willing to uh, start you can start small and then grow but uh, start something to help veterans mm. just open your doors and say what can I do for you because mm. the it, it would just be so fantastic and uh, make these guys uh, any way we can s- stop the suicides and stop the the real problems that are created by PTSD uh we need to address it. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to uh, be taking a break here, uh, making sure that uh, we give we air a bit of a commercial break and uh, make sure that we give some uh, shouts out to some other folks who are doing uh, good work around Indianapolis. And uh, we're grateful, of course, to be here at a, a marvelous facility, Collaborate 317. Uh, thankful, of course, for uh, not only the uh, folks that are here that we get to rub shoulders with all the time, but also the facilities that we're in. Uh, we have a great opportunity, actually, to have multiple studios here. We have uh, video uh, teaching sections of this particular facility. We have a place where we can have a 300-seat gala where we can invite folks in uh, for fundraising and events such as that. Uh, this is a very important uh, group that we are invested with here. And if you're at all interested, those of you who are here in Indianapolis area, uh, it would be great for you to share our open house, which is uh, actually tomorrow, tomorrow evening from 6 until 8. And we'll be uh, sharing the facilities, opening them up. There will be some light uh, hors d'oeuvres here, some some light refreshments. Uh, but we'll be g- grateful to meet you and to reach out to you uh, to talk to you about what's going on here and invest in uh, the next great nonprofit opportunity. So we're going to be taking a quick uh, musical break here, and when we come back, we'll finish chatting with John Smitha about his veterans programs. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio on radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio, every Wednesday from 10 until noon, and we are back with John Smitha. We're discussing uh, this great ministry that he and others are participating in, and uh, John, just before uh, we get back into telling some stories, we want to make sure that everybody knows uh, what days and what times it is that uh, folks are meeting to talk about and with vets. So go ahead and give us those times and uh, days, as well as the places uh, that these events are every week. Okay, every Monday, I am at 126th and Promise Road, that's Guy's Christian Church, from 6 to 7. And it's in the fireplace room. Once you get in the building, you'll see the fireplace room. It's very relaxing. Uh, and we have a meeting there. And then on Tuesdays, from 10 o'clock in the morning to 2, I'm at the coffee shop. And we're inviting veterans to come in. 
have a cup of coffee on us and just talk. What we're trying to do is uh, collect stories from these veterans, especially the World War II and uh, Korean War veterans, because once they're gone, they're dying at the rate of 10,000 a year. Once they're gone, those stories are gone, and I've had requests from daughters and wives. Uh, we need to cherish these stories. So we're trying to collect these stories, and then I've got somebody that's helping me maybe get them published into a book form, mm. and then the, set, the receipts from this book are going 100% to Honor Flight which is uh, a great organization that takes World War II Korean Vietnam vets to Washington, D.C. Mm. It's all privately funded, no government money involved, and uh, we're trying to raise money for them. And then on Thursdays, I'm at Fort Harrison uh, at the northwest corner of 59th and Lee Road at the Vet Center from 6 to 7. And... Uh, we have a very good meeting there, a uh, very good atmosphere, and uh, uh, we had several women, several men, and uh, that's when we get down to the nitty-gritty and start talking about things and, and start the healing process. Wow. And these guys will help you. We all have each other's telephone numbers, so mm. you can call each other 24-7, mm -hmm. 365, if you need any help. It sounds like such a great ministry that you're invested in here. I mean, honestly, it, and that the cross current of what's happening between you all is huge. Uh, I was thinking while you were talking about uh, all of your experiences uh, about a man that I invited to speak in one of my chapels. I was a, a high school chaplain at one point uh, back in the 90s, and uh, I invited Bob to come in and talk about courage. I knew that Bob had fought in World War II. Well, when I invited him in, I was never, I wasn't even prepared for what he was about to tell us. He told us about his, uh, the Battle of Lady Gulf, which for those who were, who don't know their history, Lady Gulf is the largest sea battle, the largest naval battle in human history. The largest sea battle in human history at Lady Gulf. And Bob was one of those guys who was a torpedo bomber. And so he was talking about uh, being shot down. And his, uh, you know, the, his bombardier was behind him, and uh, he was bleeding. And told him stop bleeding because there are sharks in the water. I mean, he's telling us all of his stuff. And then while they were behind enemy lines for 40 days, evading the, the Japanese, and then finally got on a submarine. I mean, it was just this unbelievable story. So when he got all done, I mean, he was reading this story, and all of our mouths were just open wide. I mean, we couldn't believe what we were hearing. And at the end of this. I went up to him and I said, Bob, is it possible to have a copy of your story? And he thought for a moment, about 10 seconds, and he said, no, uh, I haven't even told this story to my children. And he had just told us, hundreds of high school students, something he had never told anybody before. And so now when I hear you talking about what, what you're describing here is ethnography where you're going out and you're capturing the histories of people and then putting them down. It sounds like something like I experienced personally. also sounds like Tom Brokaw's The Greatest Generation. I mean, this, this would be a marvelous opportunity to do something like this. Yeah, especially with the Hoosier veterans. Uh, mm. I've met a lot of uh, World War II veterans. Uh, some of them are my neighbors. One of them, wow. uh, he was on the ship that refueled Doolittle's Raiders. Wow. 
one of my buddies that uh, connected me with the VA was at EWO. Uh, okay. And uh, real heroes. And I, I, that's why I say we need to cherish those stories mm. because that's part of history. And what's their great-grandkids going to say? Well, what did Grandpa do during the war? And I don't know. He never said anything. Mm. And that's what we try to get out. And I've, I've told my family what I did hesitantly because I didn't know whether they'd love me anymore or not after I told them, but they <laughs> sure did. I told yeah. them I got twin sons and told them, and they looked at each other and said, that explains a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I've told my vets to talk to their families and tell them what you did. And uh, it's I've watched a lot of growth in these families since the, the families know what that spouse did and say, well, that's why he acts like he does. That's why she acts like she does. And this is support him. This know? is so helpful to uh, to know how it is that we should go about the support process. Uh, you know, as we kind of wind down our program here today, John, I, I wanted to make sure to get at least a story or two from you about one of those vets that, that you think is really important to tell us. So well, go ahead and tell us a story. Yeah, one of them. Uh, now, he has written a book called Escape with Honor. His name is Charles Layton. Uh dear friend i just talked to him last week uh and he's going to come to my uh coffee chat meeting mm. uh but he was uh at the chosan reservoir in mm. korea mm. 50 below zero weather and he and 36 others were captured and he was put in a, a camp uh and the b- building wasn't much larger oh that a, a two-car garage, mm. 50 below zero weather. They took their boots, uh, gave them rice once a day, no facilities whatsoever. So for 18 years, uh, 17 weeks, they were there. Uh, and since Charles was a uh, an airborne ranger, they put him in charge. And he decided after making observations... Uh, that every three weeks they bought, brought in liquor and some other things to the guards who weren't crack troops, but uh, they were the guards. And Charles decided that when the next time they brought these, uh, this, all this stuff in for them for their little break, that was when they were most vulnerable, and he was going to take out the two guards one at each end of the building, and they were going to escape. Hmm. So they saved rice bags and uh, to wrap around their feet because they took their boots. And Charles was tortured every day for 17 weeks. Uh, when they came in to, to uh, torture the weakest one, he would fight with them, make them take him. Hmm. And to this day, he still has a hard time walking on a carpet because his feet hurt. They hmm. beat him. And... Uh, Anyway, after 17 weeks, they came in a week early. He said, well, we're going to go anyway. So he took out the two guards, and uh, they escaped. They heard artillery, went to the sound of the artillery, were spotted by a spotter plane, and all of a sudden a bunch of choppers came in and picked them all up. Wow. He never saw them again. Mm. He got home, and his parents had moved. And... uh, he found out where they lived, so he f- was in a general location walking toward their house, and he saw his wife, or not his wife, but his mother and sister walking toward him. 
And his mother said, where have you been? And he said, I was a prisoner of war over in Korea. Well, how'd you get away? He said, well, I killed two guards and led 36 guys out and we were saved. And she said, we have no room in this house for a murderer. Oh, and my. that was 60 years ago. And uh, mm. he knows where they're buried, but uh, has never seen them. His sister still doesn't talk to him. Oh, my word. But he's turned out to be one beautiful, beautiful person. Mm. And uh, he's a man of faith. And uh, he told this, he's this book, uh, Escape with Honor. If you ever get a chance to read it, read it. Oh, it's, my. It's, uh, before, during, and after his deployments. This is a fantastic story, and we're so pleased that you told it to us. And th so pleased again for your ministry. Thank you ever so much for coming in today, John. Uh, we're grateful. Thank you for having me. Uh, I enjoy, I love getting a chance to talk about this. It as, needs everybody's attention. As many people as we have opportunity to tell about this, we will. The podcast will come out later today. We'll be pushing that out to lots of different folks. You can use it for whatever you want in the future. Uh, we're grateful very much for your service, but also for the service that you're doing now. Sue, thank you very much for your service to your husband. We're grateful. You are listening to Warp and Woof Radio on Radio Next. TV at the Cool Groove site next week. You do not want to miss next week. Gordon Brooks will be here. He is going to be playing his sax, and we are going to be bringing in Dennis Wilson, one of his good friends, a musician and an educator. The day before Thanksgiving, what a group of two men, two great buddies for a long time. We're looking forward to having them in the studio next week. We're grateful for this week. Thank you ever so much for joining us. We'll be back next, and we'll look forward to seeing you then.